the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 446 for Saturday, April 20th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We answer your questions, we share your tips, and we hole away your cool stuff found for an awesome cool stuff found show that probably will happen next week again. But for today, it's questions and tips from you, from us, for you, for everyone. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Well, not for everyone. There's that one person. (laughs) But you, sir, and you know who you are. It's not for you. (laughs) Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. So Saturday today, this is uh, I've I've broken the rules and I've had I'm on my second cup of caffeine today, which is more than I usually have in in like ever, you know. So I can't promise what's going to happen. But Saturday, yeah. Now I'm leaving tomorrow. We're heading to uh, San Diego of all places for a, a family city vacation week, just to hang out and all that good stuff. You with me here, John? Did I lose you? I think so. No, okay, no. good. All right. I've had I've had all the caffeine. I should share some of my caffeine with you. We can we can. Uh, what blood type are you? Can we just like like neutralize and and normalize? I don't know. Hmm. Seriously. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I got to look that up. Yeah. Well, it it yeah. I'm sure it's. I'm sure someone knows. Um. Yeah. All right, let's let's get to the show here because we're uh, we've got lots of stuff. Focus, to do. man. Yeah, focus. So we've got uh, questions. Uh, two sponsors today: Bare Bones, of course, um, and uh, and Audible coming back on board after quite a while away. So we'll talk a little bit more about them later. But right now, we will talk about Joe. Hey, John, Dave, and Pilot Pete. Joe here from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Have a question that I've never heard uh, brought up on the show before, and has to be something that annoys a lot of people. In Apple's Mail app, if you receive a mail with an attachment, you can save that attachment off to a folder so that you can organize that information, and you can save the email in Mail app so that you can go back and refer to maybe some of the conversation of the email. However, there seems to be no obvious way to delete that attachment from that email before you file it, which is seeming to result in now that attachment being filed once in your folder structure and a second time in the email directory. Is there a way to delete the attachment and just save the text thread of that email, short of, you know, emailing it back to yourself and and that type of thing, which obviously one can do, but just takes extra steps. There seemingly should be a way to delete the mail or delete the attachment and then just file uh, the remaining textual content of the mail. Appreciate it a lot. Here's where you cut me off. 
and cut you off. We shall Joe. And I think you're right. I think you are. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're spot on because your concern probably did bother a lot of people so much so that it bothered someone at Apple or someone at Apple heard about it. And not only did they hear about it, they did something about it. If you highlight a message or multiple messages and go to the message menu in mail, you will see there is a remove attachments option and uh, and it will do exactly what you want it to do. It will take those attachments out. Now, of course, this is a manual step. You could do it to a smart mailbox if you, uh, you know, if you have some criteria that you want to do this on or you probably could. I check the mail rules. There's no obvious way to, to affect a remove attachments um, option in the uh, in as a as part of a mail rule. But you could, um, I, you know, you, you, you could probably Apple script it in some way, I would think so. But it's right there. Yeah, I had never honestly when I heard your question, I thought, oh, that's a great idea. And uh, and then I found it. So, yeah. It's it's one of those things that I didn't know was there, but it's there. Any thoughts on this, John? Now, in mail app, isn't I'm trying to look through the structure here, but I thought the attachments are also stored in their own folder. Uh, yes. So in is uh, mail downloads, home library mail downloads, I think is is where that goes, but. Not every attachment is saved there. Only attachments that you have opened, right? If if it's just part of the if it's part of the message and you never open it, um, it will stay just in in the EMLX file, the you know the message file that's that's stored in Mail's hierarchy. If you double click it to open it, app, uh, Mail has to save it somewhere, and so it saves it to the the Mail Downloads folder. Uh, and and uh, and then it opens up in preview or whatever. And then there is a setting in mail about what to do with those attachments afterwards. And I'm trying to look here and I think. Um, yeah, well, no, there was something about I mean, there's something in the in the preferences accounts advanced setting where you're keeping copies of messages for offline viewing and you can choose all messages, but omit their attachments if you want. But there's also something about what to do with mail attachments, too. And I can't. Uh, there it is uh, in preferences, mail preferences, general, John, if you look at the remove unedited downloads. And you can choose never when mail quits or after message is deleted. So that's the copy that's in the, the mail downloads folder. If you've just looked at it, but haven't changed it, uh, you can have mail delete that when it quits. So it's not keeping yet a third copy of potential attachments. If that makes sense, makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. I, I run I into this. I run into this a lot with, uh, we use exchange at work. Mm hmm. And get attachments and uh, it keeps yelling at me that my uh, mailbox is full. So I actually have to uh, archive them. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And last thing uh, you can tell. Now, I don't think this is on by default. Actually, I just looked at my mail installation and it's not. But if you uh, right click on the. Um, uh, 
what do you call this bar? The bar, the bar across the top of the, uh, the toolbar uh, mail. Uh, I guess you call it that, but it has from subjects, stuff like that. If you right click on that, that'll then show you additional categories that you can display. Oh, um, oh, not the toolbar, the, the column header. Yeah. Column headers. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you right click on that, it'll then give you a list of all the possible ones. And uh, actually in my case, attachments was not on. Aha. And if you turn it on, then any message that has an attachment, you'll see a little, uh, uh, oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> a paperclip. Yeah. And you can, you can get there um, by going to the view menu and go to columns as well. Uh, that, you know, one's a, right. one's a shortcut for the other. I don't know which we would there consider. A couple of ways to get there. Yeah, exactly. Why are they using a paperclip? That's so archaic. Because it's an attachment. That, do people even know what that is? It's the um, <laughs> syn- synchro <laughs> no, modesthetic. What what's it called? What's that term that everybody was crazy about? Apple using wood grain trim on things. I don't know. I can't think of it. Mm. It's too early on Saturday morning. Yeah. Because one that's a real throwback, and uh, I think uh, Microsoft tends towards this, is using a, a floppy disk for a save icon. It's like yeah, skew, skewomorphic, skewomorphic design, right? Does the, does the paperclip fall into that? I don't know. It might. We can complain about it if it does. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, all right. So uh, moving on to Greg, perhaps, John? Yes. All right. Yeah. At first, I'm going to I want to say hi, because I'm, I'm thinking maybe people in the chat room will have some answers for this next one. So I'm going to say hi to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Thank you for joining us on this out of, I was going to say out of sync, out of schedule, but it seems like our schedule is pretty fluid these days. So uh, we just have a nice mix and it, it happens when it happens, but uh, it's not that fluid. I mean, it's usually Sunday at some point. This is the first one we stretched to Saturday, but mm-hmm. know, we have a focus on Sunday. Anyway, it's Greg. Yeah. But yeah. this one's good. Cause I think it, it's open discussion. Cause I don't think there's any one correct solution. Right. This. Uh, here we go. Hi, John and Dave. What I would like to do is copy a playlist to a thumb drive as MP3 file so I can then transfer that music to my car's hard drive. Car for the hard drive. It's crazy talk. My car has a Most, hard drive. <laughs> mine doesn't. I, I don't think it does. Most, though not all, of my music library is in AAC format. The way I've done this in the past is to make a playlist, select all the songs in the playlist, and convert them to MP3 which is a a choice in iTunes. When you highlight a song, you can say convert MP3. Um, Then select all the MP3 versions I just made and drag them to my thumb drive. Afterwards, my music library is full of duplicates, which I then have to clean up, which gets to be a pain if the playlist is several hundred songs long. Is there an easier way to do this? Well, here's a suggestion I threw to him. One way of doing this is create, a separate library. And how do you do this? You in may, in you iTunes, never, you mean create a separate yes. library. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm proposing here. Yeah. So have your, your normal library that you want to keep nice and clean. And then what you do is, is create another library. And how do you do this? You may ask. And I'm going to tell you when you launch iTunes and you hold down option. I think it's option. I think yes. you're right. Yeah. And you hold down option. It'll say, Choose iTunes library and you get three options. Quit, create library or choose library. Choose wisely. Yeah. So create a library, make a new library. Um, Then the next step would be to, uh, I guess, you know, you could simply just drag all the songs that you want to, or I'm sorry, do the conversion first, right? 
Then right. drag the songs, uh, you know, maybe into a folder on your desktop. Uh, at that point, then I guess you can uh, whack them from the uh, original library. No, no you could do them. the conversion in the new library too. There's no, ah, okay. right. You could do the conversion in either place. And, you know, maybe if by doing it in the second one, it keeps your, your main library mm. a little, little easier to keep clean. Yeah. Right. 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 Oh, maybe that's, oh, okay. That's how right. I read your answer. It's funny. You know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, but, but, but the, the basic concept here is that you're going to have to have, uh, two copies of the song. So to do it, that putting way. them in their own library is one way to separate them out. I'm really kind of sad that, uh, is that usual? Do a lot of the car players not get AAC? I'm kind of no. surprised at that. My, really? Mine doesn't. No, it's MP3 only. Huh. I tried AAC because I have exactly this problem because I, I have, um, I've got USB ports. Frankly, I've got USB ports all over my car. It's crazy. But, um, I, there's a 50, um, what do I want to say? 50 gig hard drive, I think in my car. I mean, it's pretty big. And I can load it up with music. I've only got, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred songs or something that I put in there because it's a pain in the neck. I got to um, obviously I got to copy them to USB, but I have to make them MP3 first. And since I'm an iTunes match guy, everything that I have is is 256K AAC. And uh, and I went through a similar process to what you just described here. But as I as you were going through this, I was reminded of something that I was dealing with sort of for an unrelated project recently. And I stumbled onto a terminal command. That's very interesting, John, uh, because Apple had traditionally stayed away from this. But the terminal command is called AF, as in audio file, convert all together, AF convert. And this will allow you to take any audio file input to it. Use And it will use core audio, which is the same engine that's in iTunes and all that stuff um, to convert the file. And I started thinking a couple of weeks ago when I sort of rebuilt our, or added and tweaked our podcast automator workflow. I thought, oh, I could do it this way instead of doing it in iTunes. But I use iTunes to, to fill metadata and that sort of thing that's different for the show. So this wasn't quite the right thing. But for this project, it could totally be the right thing. And you could script it or or automate it and drag files from iTunes to an automator action that then pump this stuff out to a folder, you know, via this, this AF convert, uh, deal. And that, that might be a magic little, uh, little trick for you. You'd have to muck around and find the right terminal settings for, for AF convert to get from what you're at to what you're going to be. But, uh, but once you find that, you sort of bake that into your automator action and off it goes. So that's, that's, you know, I'm going to head down that path uh, because it, it'll take a little time to build and just get right. You know, it's not, it's, it's like three steps or something, three, three actions. Uh, but uh, just to get the, you know, the incantation, right. It'll take a little bit of, of tweaking. So I did uh, tangentially, I did mm. finally, because I've been promising it for a long time. I published an article, uh, about how to, I mean, the, the how-to is how to use Automator to batch rename files, but uh, but it really is a how-to of Automator. And, and what it shows you, if you've never used Automator before, check this article out, because it shows you how quickly and easily you can build workflows in Automator to do things. Uh, you know, this workflow literally took me less than a minute to build. Now, I knew exactly what I was doing, but uh, the fact that I built this in less than a minute and then was using it immediately it saved me a ton of time because I had about a hundred files I needed to rename. So, uh, so if, if you're interested in, in automator, go through this 
And, and then it, you know, it's kind of add, add to your, your tool set so that the next time you have something similar to do you like, Oh, I can go to automator. So, so that was my mm-hmm. tangent. I'll put that in the show notes. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Now, lastly, I found this here and I haven't used, uh, I used this way, way in the past, but I really haven't used it. Um, and I'll paste it in our chat room here. Sound converter. There's a, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently it's, uh, it's free for files under a certain size. And then if, uh, you want to convert larger files, uh, you got to throw them, I think 15 bucks or something. Uh, but this actually looks, uh, I'll have to try this out, but actually this looks to support about a hundred different audio formats. If you check the, uh, the page form here, huh? So huh. if you're really into uh, converting or need to convert between different audio formats, this, uh, this could uh, do it for you. Yeah. There's a ton of these things. I've probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Very nice. Very, very nice. I like it. I like it. Um, anybody in the chat room have any, uh, have anything to say? I'm just checking the chat room now. No. Okay. Uh, oh, XLD uh, for converting yet another app and oh, um, uh, and and MLV in the chat room to to my uh, to my thing. So we'll put a link to XLD first, uh, uh, which is an app that will convert audio files. Thanks to uh, GeoCost in the chat room, and then MLV in the chat room says copy the AAC files to your thumb drive first, and then run AF convert on all the files they're in. So, uh, so. That's very cool. We'll put, uh, we'll find it. We'll find XLD. I love XLD. XLD is great uh, because it allows you to uh, convert all kinds of different things like FLAC. And uh, I think it'll convert AUG and I mean, just SHN. I mean, very, very, you know, some of these not quite uh, iTunes centric audio formats. It will, uh, it will happily convert. So, yeah, and lastly, oh, you know, I don't have it installed. That's right, I didn't install it on my new machine yet. But um, I'm sure there's also something open source. I think what you mentioned is one of them. But uh, but I like using this uh, 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 Think. It's a package manager. And there's a couple of different ones here, but I'm sure there's a there there may be a couple of choices here if you like to dabble in the uh, terminal for doing audio conversion. In addition to the what what you mentioned there, Dave. Mm-hmm. All right, because we're all about audio. Because if it wasn't for audio, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's true. Our, our well, we'd show. have to, or we would type everything. But yeah, that that would be kind of clunky. I, you know, I've been speaking of typing everything. I've been writing more, more and more articles uh, lately. I think I wrote like three or four articles this week. Um, I remember that one. I don't remember the others, but uh, they were good. They were they were. Freaking awesome. Oh, oh, I did. It's, you know, I'm, I, I know I have to ruin it. I was going to mention it during cool stuff found, but, uh, you know how, um, we TiVo users, John have used iTivo to, uh, to pull shows off of our TiVo and then bring them to our Macs and convert it. And then you can put it on your iPad or watch it on your Mac or whatever. Right. Sure. But, but yeah. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. But iTivo is really clunky. Because it was built in, not that Apple Script Studio is bad, but just the way iTivo was built, the user interface was like would like go unresponsive for seconds at a time, and and but it worked, and it was totally the easiest way to do any of this. Uh, somebody starting in December, I think, is relatively new, uh, rewrote iTivo or took the core the core of iTivo and uh, and wrote it in Objective C, 
and they just came out with version two last week and it's called C TiVo, you know, cause it's written in C and, uh, and it's awesome. It does everything that ITVO did and more. It'll see all your TiVos. It, it, it's what you want it, to. It's, it, you know, there's there's no question about it. Um, and I actually found a bug with it and they fixed it that day. Um, I'm sure, you know, because I wrote in the article that I found a bug, but um, but it's good. So I'll put that in the. Uh, in the deal and the, the show notes, what do we call those? The uh, yeah, CTVO. See TiVo oh. like TiVo. And we have one last one here. Yeah, go. Thanks to the uh, chat room here. Someone mentioned this. Uh, Fission? Who makes that? Fission is from Rogue Amoeba. Oh, and- yeah, it is. Okay, there we go. Fast what? and lossless audio editing for Mac OS ten. It, yeah, it's not going to do conversion, I don't think. But what Fission does that's totally magic is oh no! It, it says here if you need to convert formats, Fission can do that too. Exclamation okay. point! You can right. rapidly export or batch convert files to MP3, AAC, Apple Lossless, FLAC, AIFF, and Wave, which I would say are probably that's the most popular formats out there. Yeah, right. Okay, so the the cool thing that Fission does, and I didn't realize it converted because I have it, um, so I'm glad to know this now. But the cool thing that Fission does is it lets you edit uh, MP3 files, which are compressed files without uncompressing and recompressing them, uh, a process that is naturally going to lose some data. You can actually edit MP3s without losing any data because it's not going through a double conversion process. And how Paul and his team figured out how to do this to me is magic. Uh, I'm sure, you know, to them uh, it seemed like magic and then they figured it out and that's why they're rock stars, you know, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. I love it. Oh, this is great. This is like a, a, a preview of, of a cool stuff found show, John. All right. Uh, speaking of cool stuff found, I'll talk about our, our first sponsor here, John, which is bare bones. Uh, and BB edit is the product that we are talking about. Uh, BB edit for those of you who don't know is sort of the de facto standard, if you will, of text editors uh, for the Mac. And they've been developing this forever. They uh, they're into the versions 10 of the product and it is massively mature, has a ton of features and they keep adding to it. Uh, but it it's just it. You know, I use it all day, every day um, for any text editing I have to do, you know, some t- and, it, and this and this runs the gamut of uh, now for me, you know, the kind of the, the geekiest bit of it is uh editing our PHP code for the site. Um, and I can do this in one of two ways. I can edit. If it's something that we have stored in our repository, I can edit it locally and sync it with Git uh, or GitHub. And, uh, and that works, or I can actually edit directly on the server. They, they've got an S they've got an FTP and an SFTP, a secure FTP client built right into BB edit. That's a, a file browser all by itself. It looks very, very similar to what you would see if you were opening a file on your hard drive, but instead you're logged into an FTP server. You pick the file or files and you can pick multiple files at once that you want to edit. They open up in BB edit and then sort of BB edit just knows that this file doesn't live locally. It lives on the FTP server. And so as you make edits and you hit command S to save, it saves it over FTP live. So if you're editing something that's, that's, you know, accessible live on the web, 
from uh, from FTP, you can hit save, go to Safari, refresh, and it's right there. Uh, don't make any mistakes uh, or, you know, but BB Edit has, you know, a massive undo history. So if you do make mistakes, you can easily go back and forth. Um, it's really easy. So that that's like the geeky side of things that I do. But on the flip side, you know, on the, the like semi non geeky, uh, often I need to count how many lines of text I have for something. And I paste it into BB Edit and it's right there at the bottom. Also is the number of words right there at the bottom. And because I leave BB Edit open all the time, it's a very lightweight app. It doesn't bog down my system like, say, Word or something that could also do this. But, you know, BB Edit doesn't have formatting. It's all plain text. It will highlight code intelligently, but uh, but you're dealing with plain text. So really, really simple. Uh, I can sort things in it. And so if I have a, a group of text that I need to sort alphabetically or whatever, I can do that in BB Edit too. Um, it really is my my go to app for so many things. And I highly encourage you to check it out. Barebones.com. Uh, you can download a free trial from there when you're ready to buy. You can go to the Mac App Store and buy it, or you can buy it straight from Barebones for uh, for fifty bucks, actually forty nine bucks. So uh, I encourage you to check it out. BB Edit from Barebones.com, and uh, and we thank you for checking it out, and thank them for supporting the show. So, all right, John. Um, sort of in the how this this sort of harkens back to a conversation we had uh, not that long ago. But Scott asks a question. And the question is simple. It says, John and David, Mac Geek Up 441, you spoke about the product Clean My Mac. Can you discuss, preferably on the podcast for all to enjoy, the differences between Clean My Mac and Onyx? I use Onyx on a quasi-regular basis. Is there something Clean My Mac does that Onyx doesn't? And uh, this, is, this is interesting. You know, I, I started going through the two because I, I thought, well, that, you know, how much crossover is there? And what I really came down to was what um, what's the same between them. And really the only thing that's the same between them is that they both do some cash file cleaning. Onyx is very much a maintenance uh, application where it's running system maintenance, like uh, 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 you know, your, your daily cron scripts, your maintenance scripts uh, you can, edit uh, you can reset spotlight data you can reset mails envelope index you can rebuild launch services right that's that's what onyx is there for um clean my mac is about finding stuff on your mac that you can get rid of and free up space that that really is sort of their you know prime directive of of what the app does so um part of its cache files and that's the overflow with with onyx but also things are finding large files or or unused files on your Mac that you might not know are there. So uh, that's uh, with that. That's one of the things it does. You can remove old iOS software updates, kind of falling into that realm of things you didn't know were there, but were taking up, you know, uh, space. You can remove language files. And it's interesting. We, we asked them about this, John. Remember, you know, I was the last time we talked about clean my Mac, I was really skeptical on the whole language file thing. And they said they have built a database of things that they know to be safe to remove and they will only remove those things. That's what the, you know, the app is, is it, it built, it works on a white list, not a blacklist. So it's not like they say, don't remove these. It's only remove this stuff. And, uh, and they're constantly updating that list. So that, that made me feel a little bit better. I still haven't pulled the trigger on it, uh, on the language thing, but it makes me feel better telling you, uh, folks about it. So, 
I guess I, I will only pull that trigger if I get to the point where I truly need the space. But that's just because I was burned in the past by a, a, a different app. It'll clean up iPhoto. And the thing I love about Clean My Mac is the way it manages the trash because I can empty the trash on individual drives, which with a lot of drives connected is cool. So different products. and I use them both Onyx and Clean My Mac. So that's that's the um, question. The other thing in Clean My Mac I like, which isn't really a cleaning operation, yeah. but um, it helps you uh, uh, get an idea of what's going on in your machine is uh, uh, they call it extension manager. Yeah. I, I don't use this, but I've, I've seen it there. So yeah, I'm curious about this. Yeah. So they're Chrome, you know, like right now I'm looking at my system and it lists Chrome extensions, uh, contacts, plugins. So any, uh, so I, I guess they did a lot of research here. So any program that can extend its capabilities by, you know, little plugin modules here. Um, uh, I mean, of course you could just dig around in the file system and find them, but this presents it in a much, much nicer way. Right. Right. Yeah, and you may have things that you didn't know, like here, for example, I see in iTunes, I have a Quartz Composer Visualizer, which I don't think I even really use. So, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Mail plugins. Oh, well, these are things I know I have. Signature Profiler and Spam Sieve. Yeah, I know I have those. So uh, that's actually, th- th- that actually I think is a nice feature is that it helps you understand. Uh, yeah, well, but, well, it can be a cleaning operation because it looks like you can disable them or uh, toss them if, if you want. So, uh yeah, and I even saw. I think um, got a it got a thumbs up from uh, uh, my wife there, um, Katie. I did see. Well, I saw her tweet the other day saying, you know, I tried it and I uh, was very happy that it cleaned up like you know fifteen gigs uh, and didn't seem to destroy anything. So, so that, that I think is a good endorsement. Yeah, you know, um, I did a little more digging after we talked about you know the last time, and I don't want to go on and on about this, but but just to share, and I don't have all the. I wasn't prepared to talk about this today, but. Sort of, so I'm going off the cuff here, but um, I did a little more digging and there's more history. You know, we talked about clean my Mac versus Mac keeper, right? And Mac keeper, which everybody uh, has learned to love to hate because of their, their advertising. We are, we've already had that conversation, but as a little follow up to that, I did some digging. Apparently the uh, folks who um, the, the folks who started Mac keeper as uh, a company called Zeobit. And it was started by this guy out of, out of college. And they did a lot of consulting stuff before they started doing Mac keeper. And, uh, and the guy who started Mac paw, uh, apparently worked there at Mac keeper, uh, or at Zeobit. And, and then sort of in the early development of Mac keeper before Mac keeper was released, he left to start Mac paw and do his own thing, which is, you know, how things work. And, uh, and and so they they come from the same place. And then there's there's this whole thing that I, I really want to find out more about. But um, there's this whole thing about uh, th- there was some uh, a lot of like in one day, there were like hundreds of negative posts about Mac Keeper posted to Apple's discussion forums. And uh, and it really, you know, killed their sales and, and all this stuff. But, it, you know, the 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 um, it, it, it th- there's. There's a potential, you know, I love my, my tinfoil hat. And so I love my conspiracy theories, but you know, it's like, well, wait, who posted all this stuff? Why was this there? Was this a timed attack? It sure seems like it. And it was after that, that Matt Keeper started doing their, their massively over way over aggressive advertising that, uh, that everybody now hates them for. So there's, there's more to this story that I'm trying to dig into. So it's interesting. Ready to move on, John. Ready, Freddie. You sure? 
do you have uh you have something I know you know I know because we're doing the show today I I did most of the prep here but uh we've got some questions that uh that you prep but if is there anything uh if there's anything you want to chime in on please of course feel free I'll, ch- I'll chime <laughs> good chiming is good all right going to Josh uh Josh asks I know in the past you've explained this, but could you go over again how to best migrate from using a pop account to an IMAP account in mail? I currently use pop for multiple accounts, but would like to be able to synchronize my email usage on my Mac with my iPhone and my iPad. I also have a boatload of messages saved in folders on my Mac. How does this get handled? How would folders work on IMAP accounts? Also, most of my accounts are Gmail. How reliable is IMAP on Gmail accounts? Okay, uh, so we'll answer these questions a little bit separately. First of all, it's very important to remember that in most cases, certainly in the default case, uh, any messages in your pop inbox, outbox, drafts, and trash are only stored on your Mac. They are not stored on the server. Once they are downloaded to your Mac, with the, and this is true about the inbox, once it's downloaded to your Mac, again, the default behavior of most pop clients is to delete it from the server. You can leave it up there, but for the most part, once it's in your inbox on your Mac, it's no longer in the inbox on your server. Uh, this and and certain and then anything in your sent box is never saved to the server. And that's true of drafts and trash as well. So if you were to delete your pop account from your Mac, those things would be deleted forever. And you need to bear that in mind. So the path that I recommend uh, is to add the IMAP account to your Mac first and then um, copy the data from your pop inbox to your IMAP inbox from your pop sent box to your IMAP sent box. And the same is true for trash. If you want to keep the stuff in the trash and, and drafts as well, and then uh, remove the pop account or disable it. You know, you can disable accounts in mail by going, into uh, preferences accounts and then uh, highlight the account on the account information page, choose uh, or uncheck enable this account. And that will also um, it'll, it'll keep the data temporary, you know, until you delete it, but uh, it'll keep the data. It just won't show it to you and it won't interact, interact with things. So that's, that's how I would migrate things. Would you agree with that, John? Oh, that's what I, went through if you recall mm-hmm. you know, i was a pop type of guy for for a long time and had to go through this and the points that you bring up are important is that uh normal pop operation a lot of data is only stored so i did you know exactly what you you know i went through the process that you did right or you suggested is you know for example all the sense stuff uh had to drag that over to the equivalent part of the imap account otherwise i would have lost it right right um right the other thing to mention about them, so of course, you know, the, the two popular ones here, Pop and IMAP, is that you want to be sure, because none of these protocols uh, out of the box uh, are set up to be secure. Um, yeah, that's not... So typically, in, you can enable it, but I think at least in is, Mail app. Is that not by default in Mail app? I think the secure box is checked now by default in Mail app. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you're right. Some you want to make sure may it's not secure. Support it. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, and, and typically I think they'll use uh, SSL, which is also used for, you know, to secure the web browser. So. Um, so, you know, make sure you're doing that for, for you know, whenever you set up your account here uh, in LAP. Uh, where's it at here? I think it's under accounts and. Uh, 
and I'll get it here in a moment. So you look at your accounts, and like I'm going to click on Gmail here, for example. Yep. And mailbox page. No, advanced. Advanced. Okay, so in the advanced tab, it says port 993, and then there's a little checkbox, use SSL. Right, right. And I think you get a similar uh, configuration option if you're doing uh, the pop thing. I think that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 You definitely do. Yep. Um, so the, uh, so are we good? Are, are we good with this, Sean? I guess the only, the, the last thing I'll mention here is that you also want to make sure. So if you're concerned about mail security is now this is security for uh, pulling the mail from a server to you. But of course there is another protocol that is used to send your mail and that's SMTP. And you got to separately secure that. That's right. Now that's kind of that's kind of hidden in Mail App. And then if you go into Mail App and you click on an account, uh, you will see under account information a thing that says outgoing mail server SMTP. And then what you want to do is go to the edit SMTP server list, and it'll list all the SMTP servers that you've set up within Mail. And then if you click on the Advanced tab, uh, similar, uh, so so it's buried a couple of layers uh, deep here, but similarly in the advanced tab, you're going to have a little checkbox uh, where you can set up the port and also a checkbox saying use SSL. So, yep. Very good. Um, one thing, so to the second part of the question, uh, you ask how reliable is IMAP on Gmail accounts? Well, um, it's fairly reliable. However, you need to understand, and this is important for any of us, whether we've got mail set up the way we want or not. Uh, we all need to remember that Gmail was not built to support IMAP. It was built to be a web interface for your mail and built to be a revolutionary web interface for your mail. And of course, we can debate whether that's true or not. But that was the intention is, you know, we had come from these mail clients where we were storing things in a, this, you know, hierarchical folder structure to keep track of things. And Google said, <clears throat> forget that we're a search company. We believe that if you just store all your mail in one place and when you want to find it, you just search for it. And and in many ways, they're right. And in fact, you can now use mail app to do the same thing, whether whether or not you use Gmail search functionality has just gotten so much better than it was like 20 years ago. And. Uh, but the problem was, you know, and you could access Gmail with pop, which effectively, like we said before, lets you pull down messages from the server and just storm on your Mac. But Gmail was never built with IMAP in mind, but you know, people wanted it. People pestered and with mobile devices out there. You kind of have to have it. So they, they added it, but it was a, you know, a bolt on afterwards. And the issue with it is that IMAP, which is an older protocol than pop, I believe, John, even though we all sort of migrated in a reverse order, um, the way IMAP works is it connects to the server. It gets a list of folders from the server. And the assumption is that there is one copy of every message. And those messages, you know, if you're going to move a message, say, from the inbox to your action items folder, it moves. And, you know, if it if it's in the action items folder, that same message is not also in the inbox. It is not also in your archive folder. It's in one place. That's how IMAP works. It is you know, built on the traditional folder structure, just like you have on your Mac with your file system and all that. Gmail, again, going back to their you know, sort of view of the world, said, we're going to just store all your mail in one place, but 
if you want to apply labels to it to make it easier for you to see like all related messages together, uh, we'll let you do that. So you can assign labels in Gmail, but there are no folders in Gmail. Well, when it came time to bolt IMAP onto to Gmail, Google and their infinite wisdom said, well, we'll just make labels folders. The problem is messages can exist and always exist in multiple labels. Every message is applied to a label called all mail uh, for obvious reasons when you're using the Gmail interface. Uh, but you can create other labels. But if you create a label, let's say I create a Mac Geek label and an action ASAP label. Well, if I move the message into the MGG label and then I move it into the action ASAP label from the Gmail web interface, it's going to exist in three places. It's going to be an MGG action ASAP and all mail. And it could still be in my inbox, too. So it could be in four places that wreaks havoc when your Mac goes to check mail because it's going to pull down four copies of this message. Now, mail that app's gotten a little bit better at dealing with this. It will it will pull down all four. It will store all four, but it will only show you one of them. Um, that said, I recommend if you're going to use IMAP to interact with Gmail, I recommend treating those folders or those labels like they are folders. The one that you're going to have trouble with is this all mail folder. Thankfully, Gmail lets you decide what labels show up to your IMAP client. And you can go into settings, labels, and turn off showing IMAP for the all mail folder or all mail label. And that will make your life easier. So there you go. That's my, but it works. You just got to jump through these hoops. I, I published an article on this three years ago and it's still, uh, still stands today. So I'll put that in the, in the show notes. That was a, that was a bit more of a rant than I expected to go on, John. Nice. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes that's how it goes. Um, what are we doing next here, John? Uh, Mike. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You use that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes. Okay. Well, I will, uh, I will read the question so people know what we're talking about. Uh, Mike, Mike says, do you, do you have any thoughts about the Gmail IMAP thing, John, before we move on? You're ready to move on, aren't you? Okay. No, I threw in my three cents. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, Mike writes, I'm having problems with parallels. It runs horribly slow. And by horribly slow, I mean taking 15 minutes or more to fully boot windows, five plus minutes to open a program like word and even 30 seconds or longer to register a mouse click during this time. My Mac runs reasonably. Okay. But not great. Can you guys help me tweak my settings to get both running reasonably? And he goes through and he shows his his settings and parallels and also what his Mac is. And his Mac uh, is a, a mid-2010 MacBook Pro with a uh, 2 gigahertz i7 processor and 8 gigs of RAM. His Windows settings have RAM set to 3 gigs and the CPUs set to 4 emulated CPUs. And I think that might be part of the problem. Um, Ram, I think is okay on this, right? John, I mean, again, as long as he's not also running lots and lots of other Ram hungry apps. Mm -hmm. I, I typically will make the Ram half of what my Mac has. So I think bumping it to four may okay. not be a bad idea. And also three is kind of a weird number too. I don't know if it's struggling with, we had three on our Macs for a while. 
Remember our Did MacBook he? Pros? Huh. Yeah, because we had those weird Sandy Bridge chips that would only support three gigs, and if you put this, the fourth hmm. gig in, it would break or whatever. I don't know. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah but okay. I think you, I think you identified the, the real issue here. Well, I think the real issue is the CPUs because it, near as I can tell, the and I checked Intel's specs on this, the two point six six gigahertz i seven um, only has two cores in it. It is capable of hyper threading, which means that four threads can run on those two cores, and it will show up to OS ten like there are four cores. Um, in things like activity monitor and, and iStat menus and all of that. But really there's only two cores. And uh, I, I think setting windows to believe that there are four is probably what's causing a lot of contention there. So I would set it down to two, honestly, or even one, depending on what you're doing in windows, you may not need both cores and it's nice to, you know, kind of let parallels run on one and, and then leave the other for your Mac and, and, uh, and all the video work that needs to kind of happen outside of parallels. So my guess is that's the problem. Um, but it's, imp- that's an important one to check. You really need to kind of research. What does my processor actually have and how can I best optimize that for, uh, for this? And I'm, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm surprised that, uh, and maybe the, maybe parallels and, and VMware do do some of this, you know, sort of let me check and, and see what you're running on and make a recommendation. And maybe he just changed it from the recommendation, but, um, but they should be, they should be, cause I, I was just doing all that stuff with my car with parallels and it worked, but there was never a moment where it said, Hey, dum dum, you know, if you do this, it's going to cause you trouble. They do. They basically say we recommend and, and then sort of they're out of it. So that's my feeling. Thoughts, John? Hmm. The only other thought, I mean, it, it almost sounds like it's a hard drive issue, not not a performance issue. Mm. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering about the state of the, uh, the, the virtual uh, disk file uh, that he's running here. I mean, he says he has a 500 gig SATA, 180 gigs free. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. A a disc issue, you know, would, would cause this, but since he says his Mac is running fine at the same time, it, that, that Mm -hmm. sort of, I don't know, you know, it made me think there's something about parallels. So I don't know. I don't know the magic Uh answer. We try to know the magic Mm -hmm. answer. I think we both have our windows open today. Two people in the chat room are asking about the chirping birds and the trucks driving by. I I think the truck was you and the birds are me. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I can't tell. Are, well, my windows aren't open. I'm just uh, close to the. Uh, okay. Close to the street here. Okay. Yeah. To me, it all sounds the same because it's in. I'm. I'm hearing what you folks hear. I. You know, all, all I have are my earphones, and it blocks out a lot of external sounds. So what I hear in my ears is basically what you know is going to to tape, as it were. All right. Um. Where are we here on time, John? Just like to get a feel for this. You know, I want to talk about our second sponsor, which is Audible. Uh, I'm so happy to have Audible back. Uh, AudiblePodcast.com slash MGG is the link you want to visit. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But what you get at that link is one free month uh, and a uh, a free book of Audible Podcast uh, or Audible Gold. It's not Audible Podcast Gold. AudiblePodcast.com slash MGG is what you uh, go to. But it's Audible Gold. Uh, 
Audible is the source for so many different kinds of audio content, audiobooks, uh, you know, and topics ranging everything. I mean, it, you know, you want uh, tech books, you want fiction, you want trashy romance novels, you want comedy. Uh, it's all there. And and comedy books are great. I, I use Audible uh, a lot when driving home from gigs because I'll get like, you know, uh, something engaging keeps me awake. And for an hour ride home at three in the morning, that's a really good thing. You know, so if I'm laughing my butt off, uh, that's actually better than me being in the car falling asleep. As long as I'm not like, you know, crying and laughing. Um, and then, you know, I'm not focused on the road, but an, an appropriate amount of, uh, of engaged laughter keeps me awake. Uh, but so does a good book, you, you know, and um, so uh, so I'm really happy to have Audible here. And uh, and I do use them very, very regularly. Uh, for exactly this. And and one book that I was listening to lately, actually before uh, I even knew that they were coming back on board as a sponsor was a, a book that, well, frankly, John, it epitomizes what we do here or what we tell people here, especially what we tell people at the end of the show. Uh, and, and in the vein of don't get caught, uh, I believe sort of the poster child for that is a man named Frank Abagnale Jr., and uh, and Frank Abagnale was um, well, he was he was uh, he, he the, the name of the book is Catch Me If You Can. And it was written by Frank. Frank went around. He he posed as an airline pilot. He uh, he learned how to forge checks and figured that whole system out. Uh, he he spent he spent a career in his life uh, pretending to be someone he was not and, and sort of lived in and around and underneath the system for a long time. And then he got caught and then actually wound up helping uh, the FBI and, and uh, various companies increase their security. But, uh, but it is a fascinating tale. And uh, if you saw the movie, the movie was good, but there's it, you know, the kind of the, 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 the cliche it, with this is so true. The book is so much better just because there's so much more detail and so much more cool stuff. Uh, that he talks about. So, uh, so catch me if you can is, uh, is my book recommendation for, for audible dot, uh, uh, or for audible this week, but it's audible podcast.com slash MGG can get you this book or any book uh, that they have for free for you to try it out. And then, uh, then if you want to continue on, you continue on. So I, I didn't warn you of this, John. So I don't know if you have a book recommendation or not. Um, but, uh, but we'll have audible back again. So certainly if you don't have one today, we'll have an opportunity to, to talk about another one down the road. Yes. No. Um, I don't know if they offer it, so I'll yeah, search I'll for it. Put that on my, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's right. Well, yeah, they have a lot of stuff, you know, um, the Steve jobs book of course is out there. You know, there's a lot of the obvious stuff uh, is out there too, but, uh, but don't, don't forget about sort of the, the fringe stuff, the stuff that's just not like the straight and narrow New York times bestseller list stuff. Like I said, the, the comedians, you know, hearing somebody like Steve Martin uh, read his own book is, is fantastic. So, you know, check that stuff out. There's some, there's some cool content out there. That's, that's not just part of the, you know, kind of the, the mindset of, of, uh, of, of, Oh, like said, here we go. Yeah, go All right. They have one here that um, one of my favorite sci-fi uh, series, um, the stainless steel rat by Harry Harrison. All right. Uh, I know not of guys this. A, uh, the guy's a, uh, yeah, check it out. The guy's a intergalactic uh, agent or criminal or both. <laughs> huh? 
All right. Well, yeah. I'm going to oh, check that out. Oh, they got a few of them here. They got the stainless steel rat. The stainless steel rat wants you. The stainless steel rat saves the world. Oh, gosh. I think they have all of them here. Outstanding. Huh. I may put this on. You know, I've got a, a long plane ride tomorrow. So, uh, and I've got a, a couple of credits that I haven't uh, used yet because I've had my account for a while. So, uh, I may. This is good. Four hours, 53 minutes. That's perfect for a plane ride. I like it. And actually, some of these, I, I've, I've had great difficulty finding them in print. Some of them are very hard to get, but it looks mm. like they have the whole collection here uh, in uh, audiobook. Nice. What's cool about Audible is you can listen to a little snippet of the book so you can decide, you know, because some, I mean, some of these people, and it's a personal preference, that some of the, the, the narrators, you know, you might love and some might totally drive you crazy. So, uh, so you know, definitely check that out. And, uh, and then you're good to go. So. Audiblepodcast.com slash MGG gets you a free book and gets us credit for telling you about that free book. So check it out. We'd appreciate it. Hopefully you'll appreciate it too. That's the idea. All right, John, pick where we're going next. Oh my. I mean, we can, we can go, we can go to Bob. That's probably a good one. And then, and then I'll let you pick from there. How's that sound? Go. Okay. So Bob has a question that, that we actually get asked a lot and I'm not sure how recently or if ever we've talked about this on the, on the show. Uh, Bob says I have a brand new iMac and am brand new to the Mac, uh, but I am a longtime windows user. I used Apple's migrations, migration assistant, and it pulled everything over from my PC to my Mac uh, and everything's working fine. I have an iPhone 4S and an iPad 2. Both started life on my PC. Now that they live on the iMac, I am having problems syncing to the iMac either via cable or Wi-Fi. Uh, under iTunes Wi-Fi sync on the iPhone 4S, it's trying to sync to both the PC and the Mac. The PC shows to be syncing apps and the Mac is syncing books and tones. Under Wi-Fi sync on the iPad 2, uh, it basically says the same thing. PC syncing apps and the iMac is syncing books and movies. Both the iPhone and the iPad are only syncing what I have listed above. I have my iPhone hooked up to the iMac and I have it syncing a full backup, but I really want to be able to sync everything to the iMac using Wi-Fi and leave the PC behind. I really don't want to have to wipe it out and go through all of that again either because I have uh, have it using the old Google syncing that is no longer allowed. I'm afraid that if I wipe it out and start on the new iPhone and iPad, I will lose the Google syncing that I have now and it works great. Uh, is there any file that I can edit on the iMac anywhere that I can just point it to the iMac? Okay. Um, so I went through this when I got, um, either when I wiped my Mac or when I got a new Mac or something, but I went through this with at least two devices, maybe even three. And there's a scary moment, you know, when you connect the device to, you know, you've moved your iTunes library over. So all this stuff is there, but, uh, there is a scary moment when you go into the iTunes on the new Mac and you, click uh, like for apps or movies or whatever it is. And you say, I want to sync these here. And you go to check that box and it's a, Hey, it's syncing movies with another computer. If you sync with this one, it's going to erase everything or it's syncing apps and it's going to erase everything. My experience a hundred percent of the time. Now I have to issue a caveat that Apple's warning must be there for a reason. But if I've copied the iTunes data from one computer to the other, a hundred percent of the time, I've that I've checked that box and thrown caution to the wind and ignored the warning. It has not erased 
anything. I hit the button. It churns for maybe, you know, 30 seconds and then everything's happy. It's like, yep, sync done. I'm in sync. You're in sync. I see that we're really the same thing. I didn't realize that at first and blah, blah, blah. We're good to go. Now, it doesn't actually say all the blah, blah, blahs, but that's sort of what happens. And it's happened every time. So I think you're safe doing this. But like I said, Apple's warnings there for a reason. Um, so you might wind up blowing away your apps, but you can always redownload them. But you'll lose your data um, or you'll lose your settings, I should say. So I think you're OK. As far as the new Google versus the old Google, I use the new Google. It's fine. Uh, it really works totally fine. Uh, and I have no complaints about it. So in terms of the way you have to link with the calendars and all that stuff, it's it's not the uh, the, the the fear factor there was sort of unwarranted um, in my experience. There's no no reason not to jump to the new one. So that's my feeling. But it is a little scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, John, tell me where we're going. Uh, you know, uh, this one's, I think, quick and easy. Uh, Ralph. Ralph. Okay. That's cool. Uh, yeah, take it. You're, you're reading it. All right. Where's the, hold on. Know, all my windows are all over the place here. I just had it up here. You need, you need a second monitor. Uh, mm. I actually got a new one. This one's pretty, uh, uh, right now I got a sync master Samsung sync master one ninety one T plus, which is quite old. How big I is it? Get, I should get a, Oh, 19, uh, 19 inch. All right. So let me, uh, let me tell you something. Andy, um, from UNH told me about this earlier this week and I haven't talked to Monoprice about it, but we all love Monoprice. Uh, and they have this 27 inch monitor for 475 bucks. Uh, that looks to be really awesome. Uh, I'll put it in the chat room in the show notes, but, uh, uh, I wanted to ask George at Monoprice about that because uh, I want huh. to see what it's they think. Monoprice about. brand, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that because you know, I mean, I got to say, I, had, I I've had great experience with Monoprice with their cables. Yep. Uh, the 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 one thing I would not recommend because I I think it was poorly uh, implemented was their uh, Wi-Fi eight hundred two dot eleven n. The Wi-Fi router. access point. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. it was 20 bucks. You know, I saw it. It was a sure. sale. And I'm like, yeah, well, for 20 bucks, you know, how, how could you go wrong? Well, right, you can. Right. <laughs> but it would, uh, you know, it would fail. It would drop the HCP. Uh, you, you would have to cycle power on it. However, their switch, their uh, eight port gigabit switch, which yeah. I think was also about 20 bucks when I got it. That, that I'm, I'm very happy with. Ah. Yeah. Well, I've, so. I'm, and I'm, ha- I haven't had anything from Monoprice that I haven't uh, liked. In fact, uh, I've got one thing I hadn't talked about yet, which is their um, iPad, uh, full-size iPad case that has a keyboard wrapped around it, and it's cheap, and it works awesome. It's a Bluetooth keyboard, uh, kind of what your your typical, you've seen these before, but it's it's a case. It's it's like a folio-style case that you can just totally use, and then it's got a keyboard in, in the back side of it, and when you flip it open, the keyboard's right there, and uh, and it works. I've had total luck with it. Uh, it's been fantastic. In fact, I was going to move my iPad into it for our travels next week so that I've got the, the keyboard with me, but it was like 36 bucks. I mean, it's like totally cheap. Um, and I've, and I've got some HDMI switch box on my TV. That's been rock solid other than the really, really bright lights. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So I, I, I want to find out more monitor. about this. I don't need a new monitor. Yeah, it sounds like I could get a second one. 
because I do it at work. I, I have a, a laptop and then I have an external, uh, I think, yeah, it's like a 29 inch screen. So I like working that way. Okay. Um, back to Ralph. So here's a question from Ralph. Hi guys. I have an early 2008 Mac pro and I'm trying to increase the hard disk speed. I have a WD 5000 AAKS Y1YGAO <laughs> drive, uh, which is a Western digital drive. And, and I'm only getting about 60 megabytes a second write and 55 megabytes a second read using the disk speed test program by Black Magic Design. I have an identical drive that is not being used and was wondering if you would suggest a software RAID as a way to goose up my speed and how much of throughput increase I might expect. I would like to get an SSD, but would rather not spend the coin. Yes. Um, my answer is simple. Uh, it's certainly something to try. Uh, what you want to try, so one way you can implement RAID is through disk utility. And it will let you set up various types of RAID sets. And let me, uh, let me paste this in our room here. And this is uh, actually the help that you get either within... Yeah, this is actually kind of interesting. I don't know if we ever mentioned this here, but a lot of the help within a lot of the Apple applications is actually also, it's actually redirecting or, or pulling it from their website. And as you can see here, this is, uh, this is the article in Dis Utility that talks about the different types of RAID and what they can do for you. And I wonder if help.apple.com is a, is a place to start on this or not. But that's what it starts with. What happens if you go to help.apple.com? Hmm. Maybe you can try that for me. So, um, but yeah, so Stripe Braid Set is, is uh, what you want here. In theory, a Stripe Braid Set uh, will speed you up here because it basically distributes the uh, reading and writing among multiple disks. And I would think that the uh, interface in, the, in that machine in the Mac Pro uh, would not be the bottleneck. Because, um, yeah, if, you're, if your interface is too slow, then, uh, yeah, that's going to slow you down. So that's my answer to that. And they talk about it more, uh, check out the article and they, they, you know, make mention here. Yeah. And they give a few, and they give a few examples here about the different raid sets. Um, it, it's not guaranteed, but I think it, it, it is, it is the type of raid set that has the potential to speed things up. Well, yeah, the idea there being you're able to write to multiple discs simultaneously, um, so the speed of each individual or the speed, <clears throat> excuse me, the speed limitations of each individual disc are not, um, you know, you can sort of move beyond that. That's, that's the, the general concept, but, um, but it is a slow SATA bus right in that, in that laptop, as I'm seeing Tom pointed out in the, in the chat. Well, no, I think he said he has a Mac pro. Oh, no, he has an early 2008 Mac pro. Okay. Okay. If he has a Mac Pro, then I think that's probably what a SATA, is it a SATA 3 bus? Well, how would we know this? I'm, I'm going to use my pal Mac Tracker. There you go. Yes. I just love to death here, and it's starting up, and let's look at the uh, Mac Pro. Now, there's also, I think they also have, though he said he doesn't like to spend coin, but I, I, I don't know if they offer it anymore, an a Apple hardware RAID card, which, of course, you have to pay money for. Right. That right. Certainly. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, and the other way to do RAID is to do external RAID and, and buy a box that, that supports it, you know, um, but but that, of course, costs more money. Uh, but yeah, RAID, RAID should make it. Um, in theory, it can make, like, you, I think the way you said it was, was best, John, it can make it faster. 
Yeah, let's see here. Um, okay, hard drive interface, four 3.0 gigabit per second serial uh, SATA controllers. Okay. Yeah. So it's SATA 2, I guess, is the 3.0 gigabit per second. Right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. Oh, and here we go. Optional. Okay, and this machine could have, so maybe you can get one of these uh, for cheap. I'm not sure, but uh, it says internal RAID, uh, optional Mac Pro RAID card. Uh, so this model, uh, you could have ordered it with that. And maybe you can still get one. I think, again, I, I think know, you I can. Those costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Mac pro raid card. Um, oh yeah. I'm, oh, let's see. Apple store. Oh, 700 bucks. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, yeah. Okay. If you're going to spend that money, then I'd get an SSD instead or get an external raid box. Oh, like Synology or Drobo or... Uh, yeah, I mean, those are network-attached RAID, right? So you could do, you know... Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, you could do SATA-attached. You could do... Um, not with the Mac Pro. You could do Thunderbolt with, with other Macs. But that that would be where that, you know, starts to get better. In fact, that sort of leads us into Fred's question. Outstanding. Well, go to, All right. go to Fred. We will go to Fred. Fred, uh, Fred writes... I am stuck in an unable to decide cycle. Oh, I love these. Um, I originally bought a ReadyNAS NV plus four bay uh, network attached storage unit is what NAS means several years ago to use as an iTunes media repository and central storage to my to back up my video music, etc. It has been rock solid, but slow and was originally the first raid I used uh, flexible X raid. I then fell in love with Drobo, cheaper, easier to use, but Drobo has consistently let me down. I ended up giving three generation two four bay Drobos to uh, house, getting three generation two four bay Drobos to house my hard drives. As my collection of stuff grew, I upgraded to larger hard drives in my Mac Pro and put those uh, old drives in my Drobo. My original ReadyNAS with four one terabyte drives still just chugs along, but the Drobos have not been so consistent. Two had to be returned for failures on RMA, and while not failing, I had to wipe the two disk sets due to system file errors, which makes for a major pain in the butt. Make a long story uh, a long story slightly longer. I want to get rid of my Drobos uh, at the end of 2013 because they're going to have no more support for them. But what to get? Another ready NAS? I've not heard great things about the newest software or hardware. Uh, I've heard much better reviews on Synology and QNAPS devices. I've narrowed my search down to a Synology uh, 413 or 412 or even a 1512. Uh, but how does one choose? I didn't even have mention of QNAP or the myriad of other choices. Any insight based on your use of Synology, Drobo, or even other choices that have struck your fancy would be greatly appreciated. So, yeah, I, I've been, as, as we've talked about on the show and longtime listeners will know, you know, we've sort of been down the path here of starting with um, kind of a similar path to Fred where we started with... Uh, direct attached drobos and i've had great luck with them and i still have great luck with my my generation two drobos but i know that many others have not but uh but i've had good luck uh with uh and then we moved to drobos network attached uh unit which was the drobo fs and not quite as good luck there in fact drobos networking software uh really kind of sucks um I, I haven't seen the Drobo 5N yet, so I can't speak to that. But everything prior to that, the Drobo Share, the Drobo FS, the networking stacks on it were just ridiculously, stupidly slow. So I got very frustrated with that. And I think you had problems with mounting it and, and that sort of thing, John. Um, you know, consistent problems, right? So it 
It's still, um, if I wake a machine yeah. and, and it's time to do a time machine backup, it will time out. It'll, uh, it won't appear in time. Um, once it's, once it's fired up and, and, uh, you know, and the, and the system sees it, then, then everything's, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah. That's my only, uh, my only, uh, observ- uh, uh, I won't say gripe observation because it, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I keep, I keep in there. It says, you know, I can't find the Drobo. Right. Time machine can't find the Drobo or can't find the destination drive. I have that all the time with, with my FS. Um, yeah. And it's frustrating. And I've still got it on the network and I use it as a time machine source or a time machine destination, I should say. But that's about it. The one thing that really excited me about the FS when it came out was this concept of what they called Drobo apps, uh, which were apps that you could install on the Drobo FS itself. Remember this thing? I mean, it's like a little computer in there. In fact, it is. It runs Linux and it, that's what manages the, the drives and the networking but it can do other things too because the CPU has extra cycles and it's got extra RAM. So there was this thing, you know, where you could install an iTunes server on it and this, that, and the other thing, but the apps never really took off. And uh, the apps that they did release from Drobo stagnated and uh, third parties never really did it. So it didn't quite go where I, where I wanted it to go. And then I think it was a listener of the show, frankly, that turned me on to Synology and their NAS units do all of that and more. There's huge third-party support. Um, their NASs are, I mean, you want to talk about quick connections, John. It's ridiculous. It, and, and they're fast. And uh, they just, they, you know, they, they're doing it right. And they, like Drobo, uh, support doing uh, multiple disk sets of multiple different size disks. And that's, I think, really important for people in our realm. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not, it's not cheap. You know, you're spending somewhere between three and let's say 600 bucks for the empty unit. And then you're going to put your hard drives in it. And you don't want to be forced to use drives of all the same size for a lot of reasons. A, you've probably got different size drives around and you, you can capitalize on that. But the other is if one of your drives dies or you want to expand the size of your raid, it's really nice to be able to put in a drive of a different size and not be totally locked into, Oh, nope. You can only put one terabyte drives in list unless you copy all the data off, reformat it and, you know, go to two terabyte drives. That's expensive and, and, and causes a headache. It can be more efficient and you can get slightly more speed out of it if you do that. But, um, so I like that about the Synology. They call theirs hybrid raid. Drobo calls theirs beyond raid, but, uh, it's the same concept, different size discs. No problem. Uh, so I really like the Synology stuff for all of those reasons. QNAP is a lot like Synology, but the one thing, and it still makes me scratch my head about it, but it was one of their engineers that told me this. Uh, I asked him about, you know, will you support different size disks? And they said, no, it, we don't believe in it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, really? That's too bad because that sort of cuts out, you know, us, you know, our family, the Mac Geekab family. And, uh, and they said, yeah, we, we get that. But, you know, our, our target is, is our target and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so that's why I, I haven't even messed with the QNAP stuff, uh, but the Synology stuff has been great. And, you know, I, I mean, I run all kinds of servers on there. My, my son has a Minecraft server. I mean, I've talked about this. It's, um, I run a, I run crash plan on it. Um, unsupported, although I'm hoping that'll change uh, anyway, but uh, you know, it, it, it just works great. I, you know, it, it, I can stream music to my iPhone. They have great iOS apps too. I can stream music to my iPhone from anywhere in the world directly from my Synology. So it's good stuff. So 
Highly, highly recommend it. And they don't even pay me to say that, but, uh, but that's okay. It's good stuff. So that's where we're at. Anything, any one last thing we want to do, John, this, uh, we're, we're getting, we're getting to our normal length here. Yeah. My clock says, uh, one eleven. I got one eleven as well. So, wow. I think it's imagine with time, no less an abstract concept as it were. Is there anything else or is it time to, uh, to bring in the band, my friend? Yeah. Bring in that band. Bring in the band. We can do that. So we will be, uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Um, my, I'm, I'm back from my trip on Saturday, John. So, uh, so Sunday in the chat room, normal time, uh, five 15 ish Eastern, whatever that time tends to, you know, turn out to be is that's when we'll be here. What do we have to say here, John? I have something to say, and that's feedback at MacGeekab.com. Feedback at MacGeekab.com is the address to send your questions, comments, tips, cool stuff found. And I think we should do a cool stuff found show next week, John. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. We did one fairly recently. The the queue. Have you seen the the cool stuff found queue? Uh, It's crazy. I'll look. I, I tell you what. I'll leave it up to you. You know what's in the queue. You just tell me, and uh, I'll prep a little bit on Sunday morning or whatever, and, uh, you know, after I'm back, and, and I'll let you manage the, the questions for this week, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think we've got a ton of cool stuff found, so it'd be cool to do one. Feedback at MacKeyCab.com. <laughs> you can- I was hoping you wouldn't forget. I wouldn't. Uh... Tool six 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 geek, which John is forty three thirty five. You bet it is. Uh, that's the phone number you can call from your phone, your iPhone, your landline. Uh, you could call it from Skype, but I wouldn't. Uh, although you could, but you can just Skype us to Mac Geek Cab, and it does the same thing anyway. And then you're not paying for your uh, for your Skype out minutes, so you might as well do that. Let us pay for the Skype out minutes. It's on us. Mm-hmm. Uh. And of course, on the web, you can go to MacGeekGap.com. To see the lovingly crowdsourced, handcrafted, John F. Prawn approved show notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we haven't mentioned this in a while. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're on iTunes, um, leave a comment about the podcast. Yeah, those iTunes comments and reviews really do help us. Um, it sort of puts it back on Apple's radar, and uh, and then they'll feature the show. So, yeah, head to iTunes, and uh, if you would, please, and uh, and rate us and comment. We'd appreciate that. We especially appreciate the five-star reviews, but we want you to be honest. So, you know, Speak your mind. It is your place. It's not our place. We're not allowed to speak. We, I mean, we each get to vote once, and I'm sure we both did that, you know, seven years ago. So, uh, so we can't say anything there. It's up to you. That is your place. What else do we have, John? Twitter. You want to tell them about Twitter, my friend? Uh, Twitter. Uh, there's a way to follow um, Lots of different things on Twitter. But if you want to uh, follow the podcast, it would be Mac Geekab. If you want to follow me, John Abron. If you want to follow him, Dave Hamilton. If you want to follow Pilot Pete, he's Pilot Pete. And the publication is Mac Observer. Lastly, but not leastly, join Facebook uh, and like us at facebook.com slash Mac Geekab. 
We post all kinds of things there, including events for uh, these these uh, these live shows. But uh, but of course, you don't have to join us for the live show. It is fun. Uh, we have a good time. We have a good group here in the in the chat room. A good group of regulars, and then uh, you know several people that just come in and join us, uh, sort of ad hoc. And uh, it makes for a nice little. You know, sub very uh, slight, small slice, but a subsec- subsection of the Mac Keycab family. It's a very welcoming place. MacKeycab.com slash stream is where that happens. All right, John. Let's, let's move this one out. Sound good? I do want to thank I do want to thank Michael Johnston from both the We Have Communicators podcast as well as getappler.com for converting this show into AAC and adding all those chapters. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-O-Y.com hosts the show and pushes the bandwidth from us to you. Podcast Marketplace includes BB Edit, as we mentioned, Text Expander, and PDF Pen from Smile, Gazelle, of course, to sell your stuff, Squarespace, host your stuff, and now Audible at audiblepodcast.com slash mgg. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. John, do you have any, I'm, I'm traveling tomorrow and I have to travel out of Boston and, uh, and, and Boston is back on track now, but, uh, but do you have any advice for me perhaps and advice we could share with everyone for, uh, for the week? Well, especially if you're in the airport, Dave, I would say don't get caught. Made up.